Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Welcome to Beauty Talk. I'm your host, Janice Tunnell, for today, Sunday, June 4th. Um, just want everyone to know that our guest tonight is Rocky Cosetti, but before we bring Rocky on, we're having um, some technical difficulties, so please hold tight, and um, we're going to try to get him on here, so just be, bear with me for a few minutes. We're having some storms that that's affecting our connection here, so... Hold tight for me, please. Hi, everyone. Again, we are having some technical difficulties, but please hold the line. We're trying to work it out as we speak. Again, you're listening to Beauty Talk. This is Janice Tanel, your host, and I think we're making some progress here. Hold on a second. I'm trying to pull our guest into the show. Our guest tonight is Rocky Cosetti, and Rocky, can you can you hear me? Okay. Not in yet. Hold on. Let's see. Again, we are having technical difficulties due to the storm that we're having here. Trying to bring our guest on the line. I'm Rocky, here. Can you hear if you me? can hear me. Yes, I can. Yes. Finally. There we are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Welcome to the show. I apologize for that. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I'm happy to be here. I was patiently waiting and then you know, and then I heard the technical difficulties and then I started to feel the energy of that storm and then I was like, Oh no but then I just had right. to remember the um the peace that we could decide yeah. to be in and here we are, we did it. We did it. We're here. We're ready to go. <laughs> so let's just take a deep breath. <sighs> and we're going to release all resistance to good. So good evening. Good evening. Glad to have you on the show. <laughs> Thank you so much you for who, having me. Absolutely. For those of you who are listening, if you have questions and comments, you can call us at 914 Four three nine nine. Again, that number is nine one four eight zero three four three nine nine. When we saw you in London at IMAX, I was sitting in the audience listening to you, and I was so inspired. So I was like, we have to get Rocky back on the show. So oh, that's back. amazing! I know it's been way too <laughs> long, and I know you're busy. I've been busy, and uh, you know that's the great thing about relationships. It's like we can. Uh, go in and out of alignment and then catch up as if no time had passed. So that's how I feel. Isn't that how it goes? Yes. (laughs) So (laughs) I feel like I just spoke to you yesterday 
And uh, actually, I haven't been on the show in a couple of years, so Absolutely. it's amazing. So we, have to, we have to catch up. Definitely. Yeah, a lot has happened since then. And so I'm happy to uh, to share not only what I know, but whatever questions you may have. And if people call in, I urge people to call in. I put that all throughout social media with the phone number because the more questions you ask, the more information that will come through. So, absolutely. So let's let's see where should we begin. First, just give like a quick, I mean, like super quick intro for those who may be listening who don't know you. Just something quick, let everybody know who you are. Okay. So before I do that, I want to just take a moment and take a deep breath, and I want everyone who's listening to um, send love and light to London. Yes. My heart goes out to the families and the friends and the minds that this tragedy brings our thoughts to. Mm-hmm. And I want to imagine this beautiful fuchsia-colored light, the light of love. And this light envelops our heart. And it lifts our heart and lifts our spirits. And allows us to share the best part of us, our joy. Take a deep breath. And send that light all the way to London. And then see that light expand all around the world, sharing our joy and our peace. Amen. Amen. I can see that. Yep. And so it is. So so that's what I'm all about, people. So this is Rocky. You may know my brand as Cosette, and there may be some confusion that it's Cosetti, and I am indeed Rocket Cosetti, but Cosetti sounds like a pizzeria, so I have, I, I practice the art of allowing, and the greatest part of that is not letting your ego get in the way, and so everyone has always called me Cosette by mistake, and when I created the brand, I decided I'll let that be. It sounds great. So I've been in the business 30 years. 30 years plus, and in uh, 1984, I was in 10th grade in high school, and I was allowed to take an extracurricular program. I took cosmetology and uh, in Fremont Beauty College in the East Bay of San Francisco, California. And I had mm-hmm. been already drawing, crafty, and that was all I really knew. I felt like the academic part of school was a waste of my time and I just wanted to either be involved in music or the arts and so I couldn't wait to get through school and uh, I guess at the end of the day I realized that I didn't want to be taught the sameness as everyone else at school and Mm -hmm. I wasn't feeling a sense of individuality and so I hit the ground running in the beauty business in 1986 was my first job I decided that I was going to do makeup, and I then went back a few years later to become an esthetician. I like to call myself like a makeup scientist. I have to know (laughs) why ingredients exist, what they, how they function in a product, and what the final payoff will be on the on the skin. And in seventh grade in junior high, I took a photography class. And I know we'll talk more about that later, but so I've always done photography, I've always done makeup and hair, and been an artist, and somehow, even though my support system, who was my father, did never realized that I could actually make money doing this, or that it could be a profession, I decided early on that I would persevere no matter what, no matter if I felt support or not. And so I started in retail with the brand Shiseido, and then I quickly climbed the ladder. I've done everything in the retail you could do, be, uh, resident artist, counter manager. And my last gig was at MAC Cosmetics, where a gentleman by the name of Michael DeVillis brought me to New York to open the first MAC Pro location on Fifth Avenue, along with five other very talented individuals. And uh, when Estee Lauder acquired the company, I decided that that was not what I signed up for, and I quit. And I found myself here Mm -hmm. in New York 
um, without a job, and that mm-hmm. was the best day of my life because I have not mm-hmm. worked for someone since. And since then, I've just followed my heart. And I was a co-creator of Ket Cosmetics for seven years, along with Sheila McKenna, the creator. And I left there, I believe it's seven years ago, to pursue my own dream, which is Cosette. And Cosette is a beauty collective. It's a collective experience of all of those years and experiences. And putting that into my own dream of what makeup is and what payoff is and how I can touch the hearts, minds, and faces of multicultural individuals around the world. And I decided to do that and source ingredients and that are vegan. And uh, I believe we have already done all the animal testing in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And we can rely on all of that data that there's no need to harm an animal or to use those practices. And so that's what my brand is about. Wow. In a, in a nutshell. <laughs> and now I'll bring it. You said make it quick. That was such a, such a beautiful recap. Uh, <laughs> of you. your career. I mean, just to, you know, it, it, it's just amazing how certain things are all come together. All things are tied together, you know, with Michael hiring you to, you know, open up the first Mac store and just, I'm sitting here listening as if I'm a kid sitting at her grandmother's feet, just, you know, <laughs> listening to these stories. That's like. funny. <laughs> Uh, uh, grandfather. Grandfather, I'm sorry. I just, thought, I, just thought, I just actually thought about. No, it's okay. I'm I actually kidding. thought about being a kid and my grandmother telling stories, so that's why I said grandmother. Right. <laughs> yep. No, it's all good. I but you know, it. you know, Rocky, when you um, first started talking um, uh, in your introduction, you said you practiced the art of allowance you know, yes. with the situation with your name. And I've never heard you talk about that before. How do you think practicing the art of allowance could help us individuals who are in the beauty profession? Okay. Uh, well, the art of allowing is um, a practice. It's a way of life. It's a way of um, navigating your personality and your thoughts and your intentions in a way that no matter what goes on around you, namely in the world, when you're in your relationships, in your career, that you can decide by free will whether or not you need to act on the way that you feel emotionally about something. And so, and it's it's derived from Abraham Hicks' Law of Attraction. And so I do teach that. I um, My training started off um, I used to be a trainer for Mac. I forgot to say that part. After I quickly, after Mac Pro opened, I then became the regional trainer for Mac. And training makeup never felt complete um, when I was just teaching makeup. And I knew that there was a, a human connection, there's relationships. When we get to, when we're blessed to be able to connect with these people, we're doing makeup on. And I just felt like there had to be a better way and there had to be a way that, like, let's say I was doing a bride in her most emotional day of her life. Am I just going to be like a neutral force that day? Or can I be someone that says something that's meaningful or that is a voice of reason or calmness during that storm? And so I found Abraham Hicks maybe about 15 years ago. And then I'm a spiritualist. And so I became a minister. I wanted to know everything there was to know about releasing the parts of me that I didn't like or releasing old pains, releasing things that no longer served my highest good. I felt like if I could do that, then I could talk about that because Mm -hmm. everywhere I travel to, makeup artists are asking me, how do you do it? And if I just tell them about a makeup technique, I was only telling them half of the truth. And so it right. became very important for me to um, to learn the, in the best way that I could to be able to decipher uh, my emotions. 
because we all do that. We we're navigated by our emotional guidance system. Women call it intuition, and I call it intuition. And we all have we all feel on one level or another. And so, the art of allowing is basically me not wanting to have my ego rule everything that I do. And so it's a it's a really important way, as far as I'm concerned, to stay humble in this industry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think that that's very important. Staying humble. Yeah. Some people, some people don't get it, but it's so so important. Yeah. What inspires you as a makeup artist? What inspires me? There are so many things that inspire me. Um, just seeing, you know, the shadows fall on a face. I would remember looking at my mother when I was like four years old or my sisters and just seeing like human anatomy and where light and shadow would fall. I used to imagine when I was a kid, I knew about makeup. I would see my mom do it. I would see other women put on makeup. And I would just start imagining where colors would go and, and like, start to analyze that. And, oh, that's where the light is hitting. I recognized the two. And that's what wanted, mm-hmm. why I wanted to be an artist. I could see the contrast and composition of things. And so everything I look at in my life, you know, whether it's an insect and looking at the different colors that are so rare and beautiful or a bird or or even looking at... Uh, uh, the Mona Lisa painting, and then putting those qualities together with that oil painting, with how the mind works and how the eyes see, just being able to, to see that is a miracle. And so that inspires mm-hmm. me. I'm inspired every time I look at out the window. I'm inspired by something. So whether it's looking at something like wanting to create a color because I saw it on a flower or looking at an oil painting and wondering, like, you know, how marvelous is that blend? And then that's who I want to be. That's how I want to be. So, and I'm just inspired by, you know, human nature and people's ability mm-hmm. to to blend with one another. And so those things all can be interpreted into makeup, whether it's walking down a runway or in a photograph or for everyday makeup. You know, there's there's a empowerment by the story that we mm-hmm. tell makeup. Absolutely. Now, it sounds like, you know, your desire to do this, um, your love for this all started at a very young age. Were there any makeup artists out there that you admired at such a young age? Or did you even know, you know, that, a lot of makeup artists existed out there. Um, I didn't know early on. I did not know of one single person doing makeup. And then I was about 17, and I was walking through uh, Macy's department store, and I saw a Shiseido campaign on the countertop display. And it was really strange and really artful and really fashion. And I became obsessed with it. And so I kept, every time I went through Macy's, I would just make it a point to walk past and see what the visuals were. And so I wanted to work for that brand because of their identity. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing research, and I found out that it was a man named Serge Luton, and he was French, and he was the creative director for Shiseido. And he created, the way that I found out was through Harper's Bazaar magazine. They did a feature on him, like for one year each month, issue had a different story about him, and that's how I found out the truth of who he was. And then, strangely enough, as I became employed by them and would attend meetings, uh, they would come from Japan, and as soon as they knew people would see me, they'd say, oh, "He looks like Sergio Tone," and so I was like, "Whoa!" So that became the first, and then I learned about people like. Wave Andy, um, later on Kevin O'Coin, mm-hmm. and but there weren't many people at the time no. in, in the early '80s. So, 
So I would say till yeah. now, till Serge Luton is my, my inspiration. Your inspiration. So you worked with Sheila at Ket. Yep. And while you were the, while you were with Sheila, you created these wonderful brushes. Yes, I did. <laughs> tell us tell us about you know you know I guess a lot of people you know know your brand because of the brushes because that was like the first the first thing you did right yeah it was and, yeah and that was my first set of vegan brushes too let me add that amazing it was my first set of vegan brushes too <laughs> yeah I know you know my ego wants to like often say I created the first. <laughs> 100% vegan right. makeup brush line. But it's funny, like, I never said that. And then, you know, you hear a lot of, like, that kind of, like, ego yeah. Yeah. in the industry. But I started out um, 10 years ago researching. And I was mm-hmm. using all Hakuhoto brushes then. I used to speak at trade shows, and I would, you know, totally support Hakuhoto for many years. And when it mm-hmm. came time to do my brushes, I decided I wanted to see what materials were available, and I didn't necessarily want to use animal hair. I knew mm-hmm. the history behind it, so I started looking for something new and interesting, and I was very skeptical. I thought, when I looked at a synthetic brush, it just looked, I used to say, it looks like Barbie got a haircut, because it was a very... <laughs> shiny, plasticky-looking fiber. And at that time, mm-hmm. hadn't evolved into to what it is now. And, and right. synthetic fibers are still evolving into like really amazing. I didn't think the fibers would pick up pigments and blend them the way that I was used to. Mm-hmm. So right. I, would, I guess you would say I was brainwashed, <laughs> like a lot of us, that um, <laughs> only animal hair could provide that payoff. You know, right? And so, as I got to testing, I was testing different samples and fibers for like three years while I was at Cat, and I was just planning that. Um, and that's one thing about creating. I I don't do anything quickly. I don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen. Like the, I'm getting busier and busier with my brand, and it's like. I never feel pressure, but that pressure to, like, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be, like, like Mac, for instance, where they're trying to throw something new on the counter every couple of weeks. Like, I don't think right. I ever want to do that because I I took three years of researching brush fibers. I took so long, new brush fibers came out, and then they started to come <laughs> into alignment with what right. I really wanted. Mm-hmm. And so it's been six years, and... That was the best thing I ever did. I I created the the handle shape. Um, I actually couldn't get anyone to make that shape that I was imagining. I would draw it. I finally um, went in Photoshop, and then I just created that a brush and that handle shape, and I submitted that. And then finally, that was the inception of the custom handle. And I wanted something. I was inspired by classic vintage cars when I was a teenager. Mm. And so when I wanted to create the handle, I was thinking about like a the tail on a yeah. 57 Chevy or the, uh-huh. like how the Cadillacs in the in the 50s and 60s had that point. That. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so that's how it all happened. And the rest is history. Very nice. beautiful colors too as well. Thank you. What was, the, what was the response? What was the response from people like some of your clients when you first used them, you know, who had never even, you know, heard of a synthetic brush? What was the response from people and other artists? Uh, first, I started to trick artists because I loved, <laughs> I loved that. I loved, like, just saying, look, at, I made brushes. Here are the samples. And then, you know, I have a lot of high flute and makeup artist friends who think mm-hmm. they know it all. Love you, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> and But I got such joy out of, like, giving them brushes and having them go, oh, my God, these are so soft. and the, Or being at trade shows and have them in the hands of someone saying, what fibers are these? And I would say, what do you think? Tell me. And they'd say, mm-hmm. I don't know. They're so soft. Is it mink? Bah. I mean, is it sable? Bah. 
is it squirrel? And I'm like, no, I'm better. And so, you know, I learned right away by using them that I could make brushes as soft as squirrel fiber, but there's a strength in a buoyancy like sable. And so I have not looked back. I don't even think about uh, doing anything else other than finding new fibers. And just recently I'm creating another collection, and technology has even jumped another step where uh, we were able to treat the fibers to where it takes away that shiny look. So they look even more like animal hair. They look mm-hmm. more like real hair. But you're not going to get that shrapnel where the harsh brush cleaners eventually erode and break your brushes, fibers, and they end up on the face of your your model. Right. And so, and uh, the very low chance of shedding. And so, just all around, I can't wait to the day when when there's no more animals walking around bald or whatever happens to them. <laughs> right to get that hair. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. So what's what's the philosophy behind your creativity? Uh, create from the heart. Like mm-hmm. my bio says, orchestrated from the hands, head, and heart, and. The philosophy is, is, I call it cruelty-free consciousness. I don't need a mm-hmm. jumping bunny or a PETA to back me up to, for anybody. Like, I'm not looking outside of myself for that kind of approval. I'm mm-hmm. looking inside. I want to mm-hmm. feel good about what I offer. And so I do my best to set intentions. To um, I went through three brush manufacturers to create my custom brushes, to create my dream, because I was searching for the alignment of that the relationship with people who have integrity and that want to create mm-hmm. the best and have an honesty and a purity to that. And so that's how the brand is. And so I stand behind it, and I'm almost brought to tears every other day when I hear the good things that are being said. Mm-hmm. Nice. I love that. Yeah. Nice, nice. So, okay, so you created the brushes, and then years later now, we have your infinite shadows. Tell us how that all came about. Was that something that, was that in your mind or part of your plan that that would be the next part of the brand? Um. I I would really love to just start lying and say, Yes. I have <laughs> I have this strategy that won't stop and I really don't. I'm a free spirit and mm-hmm. you know, I have learned to not focus on fifteen things at once because I've done that mm-hmm. half of my life and to really slow down and, and really savor each moment and yeah, there was some blurry dream that was like, you know, hey, what about like creating a full brand one day? You know, I'm talking to myself. And then so I'm like, okay, yeah. But whenever I dream of something, though, it seems to cost $10,000. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so I'm not careful about dreaming. I'm like pleased that I'm like pulling this off. And so the, the shadows came... Um, because I'm sensitive, I was, and I believe in alignment and timing. Mm-hmm. And so I was distributing a brand called De Maquillage. It was an American brand around for 37 years. The um, owner, Alana, had a space here in New York, and she taught. I taught at her facility in San Francisco back in the 80s. and And so... I loved those shadows so much. There was nothing that could be better than that. And two years ago, I was uh, happy. I was offering them to makeup artists around the world, and they went under finally. The three partners decided to finally end the business. And it wasn't doing much all those years, and that's why I stepped in and wanted to help. And then Mm -hmm. I was faced with, you're not going to have eyeshadows pretty soon. And then I started that venture. And that was, 
even more than the brushes, the eyeshadows are like something now tangible that I could actually put on the brushes <laughs> and, right, right. <laughs> and, and draw that together, you know, draw the, the, the joy that I have for those brushes. Now it exists in the eyeshadows. Mm-hmm. So there they are. And how many, how many shadows do you offer? 60 shades. There's 60 plus. I keep saying I want to keep it at 60, but there's like 65. Um, I have three textures. There's the crystal, which is highly metallic. And mm-hmm. then the velvet, which is a standard metallic shadow. And then the velvet mattes. And the mattes are really refined. The pigments are really refined. I call them macro macronized because even smaller we hear the term micronized all the powders mm-hmm. are micronized and so on and so forth but these pigments are so fine that even the matte shadows you know back in the day when a maquillage was created the in the 70s the pigments were quite coarse and they would go on mm-hmm. pretty rough and we didn't care because they had great pigment and great colors but if you were working on delicate skin, then that just built texture on the skin. And so I wanted to address that. And then working in high-def camera and macro photography, less is always more. And if there's a way to, to improve texture, that was what I was looking at. Right. Nice. And so what's next? What's next? Well, there's a lot next. There is, um, right now, I'm working on infinite makeup. I had a cream makeup. I still do. And it's evolving. It's evolving into a stick form foundation. And there are 16 shades. And uh, it has amazing coverage. And in a stick, I have the packaging already. And it has like a little angled really soft brush on one end. So next would be I'm wanting to segue into consumer. You know, I've always been focused on the pro. Mm -hmm. And um, with the Internet and all of its exposure, so now I want to start going out into consumer as well, so thinking about that packaging. And then I'm also working on a liquid foundation called Visage Mm -hmm. Liquid Makeup. And... Those are the two types of makeup that I love to use, a lightweight, water-based foundation. And then, Mm -hmm. so I use that on the majority of the face, and then I like to back that up with a stick foundation that I could use as a concealer or to um, neutralize unwanted color on the skin. So those are coming. I've also approved a mascara. And then this week I'm launching Matrix Mixing Liquid. And so... Mm. I, yeah, I created a mixing liquid, and it it has arrived. It's a mixing liquid. It's unique to the market. I, you know, we've all had mixing liquid and used them with pigments and such, but this one right. you can mix with eyeshadows, foundation, and pigments, and you could render them waterproof and immovable. So it's really, really amazing. Oh, oh nice. Wow. Yeah, and the thing that thrills me about it is that like, I don't wear makeup on a daily basis. Like, when I do shows, I want to um, do trade shows or I'm on stage. I mix the mixing liquid into the stick foundation, and I make, like, a really long-wearing, beautiful concealer, and I wear it around my nose mm-hmm. and, and under my eyes. And it's really surprised me. The foundation already stays on well, and now with the Matrix mixing liquid, it's... Uh, really long wearing. I have been wearing it all the shows and I put it on at like seven in the morning and I'm really surprised that when I go wash my face at eleven at night, makeup is still coming off of my face. So <laughs> I love the name. Matrix mixing liquid. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think of like you know, like how many things we can like change in makeup uh, from their normal recommended use. And um, mm-hmm. and I love when people do that. I love when people, like, completely use something in a way that I hadn't thought of or teach me something, so. Right. Now, your, your, your liquid makeup, Visage, right? It's called Visage Liquid Makeup. Visage. Yep. 
Okay. Now, you used that in your presentation in London. Is that correct? I did. I know. Did you see oh the skin? Oh. Yes. It's like, yeah. and, and that's the thing. You can see the skin. And yeah. it was just beautiful. It was like. Thank you. A yummy, dewy skin. <laughs> yeah. It was perfect. It was perfect. I loved it. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, that's, and, you know, it's kind of a shame, but that's where I test those things. <laughs> I keep <laughs> teasing people along the way. But, you know, it's, um, I do my best to, I'm a one-man show, and so I do my best to to talk my way into the manifestation. Um, <laughs> and that has always been my way, you know, if you have known me a while or a close friend of mine, I start off by saying, I'm going to create brushes. <laughs> and then I keep talking about it until it happens. And so I guess that's one of the pressures I put on myself to actually, like, create or complete something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, you're, you're, you are a wonderful photographer. Thank you. I remember – I'm – I was gonna ask when did that when did that all start? But I do remember when you were with Ket, you kind of started that a little then. Yeah. So I don't know if it started before then or not. It did. It started in seventh grade, and then so I was ah. like, yeah, I in seventh grade I took a photography class, and then so I learned how to develop a thirty-five millimeter, mm. and then mm-hmm. in the dark room, all that building a box camera from cardboard and tape. And I was the kid going around the school and taking pictures. Every now and then I stumble upon the black and white pictures that I developed back then. And I'm like so amazed to remember that. And uh, so, yes, at Ket, I was doing the product photography. Sheila does. Sheila and I were dabbling back then. And I've been doing product photography ever since. And then... Two has it been two years, Danessa? Danessa and I got to talking one day, Danessa Myricks, mm-hmm. and decided we got to talking and we were like, I do photography and I do photography. You do? I do. Oh my god. So you're shooting all this <laughs> stuff? Yes, yes. Me too. Oh my god. So <laughs> we decided to open a studio in Brooklyn and uh that's where we just like cohabitate and um, bounce ideas and creativity off of one another. So I spoke to her before this show, and uh, I asked if you had been in touch. She said, yes. I said, when are you speaking? And she said, I don't know yet. And then I said, well, the girls first initiated that we do it together, and I suggested that we do it separately. But I I do want to do a show with her. I want to do it on community. And uh, because there's not a lot of of artists in our business that co-create together who can allow their ego to step back and um, open up. And that's another facet of the art of allowing. And it's like, if Danessa knows something better than me, I want to know. And if I know something, I want to share. That would be a great show. That would be a great show. And you know what? And honestly, that was um, the reason why I asked for you guys together is because coming off of I'm at London, just, you know, the two of you together, I thought it was it was great and it was inspiring, and that's kind of what I wanted to know about. But I'm glad that you're here by yourself first. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's been too long, so we need to catch yeah. up, and then we'll get together. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. But I think it's good for people to, to get to know and understand who you are before, yes. you know, we bring the two of you together. Um, but I do think it's a wonderful thing to have someone like Vanessa who you who you guys could just get together, bounce ideas off of each other, work out different things together. You know, you always have another creative mind around you that you can just you know, share things with. And I just I think that's wonderful and I think every artist should have that. Yeah. And not just that, but I just agree. someone to someone to support you and someone that you can support. Yeah, and, that, and that's what I noticed. What I noticed that you two did for one another. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, not everyone's lucky enough to have someone born yeah. two minutes after them. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> five. Five. So we, uh, the rest of us have to go out in the world and find someone we're in alignment with. <laughs> so right. that's that's basically it, you know. So you, better than anyone else, understand what co-creation is. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I can't wait it's, for that. I can't wait. I can't wait to get Danessa on. So Danessa, yeah. you tell us when you're ready, and then <laughs> we'll get we'll get we'll get Danessa on, and then we'll uh, bring you guys together. That would be great. I can't wait for that. Yeah. Um, yep. What is the hardest lesson you've had to learn, Rocky, in your career? Um, looking outside of myself for approval. Uh, half mm-hmm. of my career was other people recognizing that I was good at something and putting me in a role. And it was always Mm -hmm. just left of what my dream was. Mm. And so I was a yes man for way too long, and then I would find myself um, not feeling like this is what I signed up for. And Mm. so that was really important for me to, to... The most uncomfortable thing for me in my life was to say no to an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And half of them were just maybe a waste of my time or a dead end or a one-off. And that happens to a lot of artists. Like we think that we, we're um, being pulled into an opportunity. There'll be longevity and this is going to turn into something amazing. And when it doesn't, it's only a result of one thing, our own allowing. And so mm-hmm. that was my biggest lesson now. I... If I'm asked to do a shoot, I want to know what the story is inspired by, what type of makeup will be required, what what do the models look like, um, who's styling it. And if all of those things don't completely thrill me, I say, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm busy that Mm. day. Mm. (laughs) Or, you know, I just usually say, oh, no, I'm not available. You know, and so, and then when, I feel so liber- uh, so liberated by that, you know, and usually something else comes around, and it may not be yes. that same day, but something comes around, yes. I'm now available for what I really want to do. Yes. Absolutely. Nice. And, and there are a lot of people out there who struggle with that, who, who struggle to get to that point in their careers and just in life in general. You know, so you, people, when they're offered a job, they don't want to turn it down because, you know, they need the money or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But yet they're on that job and, and they're miserable and, you know, they've compromised something, they've compromised their values or something, and they, you know, they're afraid to say no. But that's yeah. a beautiful place to be. Yep. I'm happy. Be in there. Trust me. It's the best thing I've done for myself. <laughs> hmm. So Absolutely. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's great to hear. Getting back to photography, what's the, what do you think is the one thing that every makeup artist should know? I mean, you know, not all makeup artists are photographers, but is there something that we all should know about photography as makeup artists? Uh, okay, there's 25 answers for that. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> I want to go with like. the easiest. I'm going to go for the path of least resistance first. Product <laughs> selection. So okay. you should know everyone can get a digital camera now. Right. So mm-hmm. none of us should have celebrity and makeup artist in front of our name and have not tested the products. Even if it's with a digital camera and a flash, you should not be doing Angelina Jolie's makeup and she's on a red carpet and you didn't know that there was a flashback on the powder. Mm. I dug deep for that one, but that's Mm. the only example I can give where I don't use my products until I really know how they're going to perform. Right. Mm-hmm. And things perform differently on HD in film than they do in photography. There's a flash involved. Yes. And so it's so important. And and I feel like that's the easiest way that, that someone can, can do a test. I know, because I'm making powders as well, which I didn't even talk about yet. 
and Danessa and I were testing a no-color powder that I was creating, and we both loved the way that it looked. And I was testing it on her, and I was using a puff and pressing it into her skin, and it looked mm-hmm. so amazing. And then she shot with it, and I shot with it, maybe a week apart. And she was like, I don't know about the powder. Uh, there was like a little bit of like a weird like light spot under the eye. And so she showed me, and then I saw it, and so I am not making that powder. And I went back to the drawing board to create a powder that could be a universal powder. I don't want mm-hmm. a product to be like, oh, this is really great. And I don't want to call it HD powder. Right. right. I'm not calling it that. So that's like kind of a disclaimer. So in case it flashes in photography, and then I'd be like, no, it's HD powder. So. Right. And then other things are communication. You know, what you have to do, I just taught a class this week at Makeup Forever Academy in New York, a three-day airbrush class. Mm-hmm. And I was begging the the attendees, like, you have to communicate because there are two types of makeup artists. There's one that walks in and says, good morning and walks right up to the photographer. They don't know them already, introduce themselves, and says, um, can I see the inspiration? What type of lighting will you use? Even if you don't know a lot about lighting, guess what? You're going to figure it out if you start asking mm-hmm. what type of lighting. Because then, And photographers are techie minds. They want to to be quizzed. They want to share that information. It's exciting for them. And so to know your position and the purpose of why you're doing makeup there on set is primary. Um, Can I think of any more things? Um, Knowing how matte appears in photography, knowing when iridescence, how that shows up in photography, and it's all about being strategic with your placement and so that you don't have like a hot spot right in the middle of the forehead because right. you applied something that reflects there. So it's about knowing about your mattifiers, your reflectors, and how they're going to perform. Nice. That's definitely a good point. Yeah, I could talk yeah. all day about that, but there's there's a lot, you know. When it comes to photography, right. it's so forgiving. And then if there's one missing link, it could ruin a photo. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? And so, you know, know what you want before you show up in with your with your photographer. Don't show up and want to do makeup, but you were a yes person and took a job where there's no makeup involved because you are going to then develop a portfolio that does not represent what your dream is, what makes you happy. That's important. So important. Do you feel like as makeup artists, we are not as um, educated in product knowledge as we are in just, you know, the actual art of makeup itself? Yeah. I mean, do you feel like that's that's really all makeup artists want to do is just paint the face and not really, and they don't really understand products? Yeah, I hear them say it sometimes either. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, um, I hear them say, you know, they just want to do makeup. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there are a lot of resources. There are um, Milady's Standard Textbook Ingredient Dictionary. You can learn a yeah. lot about mm-hmm. ingredients. And, yep. you know, we have the Internet now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lucky <laughs> you're not my age when right. all we have is Encyclopedia Britannica. Okay. <laughs> Oh my God! I just I just talked about that not that long ago. Oh my goodness, <laughs> right. to a group of students at the school. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So they have it all in front of them. If they're not savvy about what's going on with technology and the complexion, shame on you because all the information is mm-hmm. out there. And this is why I really appreciate the new artists. I'm not going to put a label on them like a lot mm-hmm. of people do and mm-hmm. I have great love for the young people that are coming into this business there mm-hmm. you know there's a few true artists on the leading edge 
at all times who are really going to go out, do the work, do celebrity, do fashion, do campaigns, do all of that stuff, do television, do film, do theater, you know. And then it's just like when I was 17 and 18, I had that same eagerness to learn and to create that unbridled Mm -hmm. passion to do makeup. And so it's all out there. So they really have to, to find the resources. And it's kind of a shame sometimes if you've taken the position to just solely do makeup and not care to take mm-hmm. it a step further and learn what the ingredients are and what their payoff is or learn how they're going to be photographed. And then on the flip side, there's not a lot of information out there, back to what you were saying, that um, where there's actual makeup artists creating the products who are using them on set. Right. And then willing to share that information. Right. So... What's the one thing about the business today that 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 you like or may have helped your career that wasn't happening or going on or available when you first started? Besides the internet. Besides the internet. <laughs> so, makeup brushes. <laughs> Ooh, oh, okay. There yeah. were not makeup brushes when I started. I had art brushes. I went to Ohlone Junior College and I took a few art classes there in 1986. And mm-hmm. my art brushes became my makeup brushes, and then I would cut some of them. There was no brow brush, no angled brow brush at the time that I could find. And then so I took this little, like, fluffy brush from my art brushes, and I cut it with scissors into an angle. And that's what I used for so many years. And I actually created the D255 brush in my collection based off of that. I I made that brush. So that's one mm-hmm. thing. You know, and then technology with ingredients right now is so amazing um, that, you know, textures are so mm-hmm. interesting now. You know, and then on the flip side of that, uh, cosmetic mainstream marketing, you know, wasn't it beautiful that HD cameras launched and were oh, yeah. mandated by the FCC? To be used mm-hmm. everywhere. And then at that mm-hmm. time, the mineral makeup brands all emerged with shiny powder on HD. And so we all have to, like, really be on our toes about the products that are available and ingredients. And this is why it's so important. Like, I learned that back at Ket. We studied, um, Sheila and I attended, it's called Very Camp with Sony up in Connecticut in, in their studios. So we got the chance to go into the studio and test all different makeup and powder, powder liquid cream formulations on camera on a face mm-hmm. before right. it came out into the world. And so that That's really awesome. opened my eyes because at that time, this amazing company brought out blot powder. And rather than talc as a base, it had um, a ground down fine micronized mica because mica is an oil absorbent but mica is a sparkle in an eyeshadow and a lip sparkly lip gloss and whether you ground down really fine or not it's still a little mirror and so that became a big problem and i was on set with a, a photographer way back then when that powder came out and it was a male model he was dark skinned and i was using dark blot powder and I was mm-hmm. like, I I never saw that photographer again, and I really wanted to work with him again because 55 times that day I had to keep powdering, and it never got matte. Oh, and this wow. was in oh, photography. Wow. This was in photography. And so I was never able to use that product again because it left such a like wound on me that <laughs> I really realized, like, Okay, now I'm going in more for the ingredient payoff thing. Like, I really got to know how this looks, or I can't use right. it. Mm-hmm. Wow. What's your I hope people are paying attention. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Some good stuff here. 
What's your definition of beauty? My definition of beauty is Mm -hmm. uh, evoking an emotion, evoking joy. Like when we can adorn ourselves, um, it can be at a personal level that makes us feel good. I believe in in um, reaching for a better feeling, no matter what we're doing. So let's say we're not having the best day. Makeup and beauty can be that thing that mm-hmm. raises our vibration. And it's so important. It doesn't matter if you look at a puppy to raise your vibration or beauty. That inspiration is eternal. And so it's individual. And for women, and now men, again, thankfully, after 90s of uh, mostly women doing makeup, individuals can now put makeup on, and it's just that one thing. It's like putting on an outfit, and you just feel better. And so the, there, I don't believe there is a standard of beauty, but it's an individual. Inner beauty is what we're all wanting to bring to the surface. Because I think others see us more beautifully when we could convey that in some way. Mhm. Nice. Absolutely. Is there anything um, that you haven't accomplished that you would love to accomplish? I mean, it could be your career, life, anything. Anything you haven't accomplished that you would like to? Accomplish? Well, I'm still living, and I'm fifty. That was an accomplishment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I dream of having a restaurant because I cook a lot. Um, Really? Yeah, I would love to have a restaurant bar. My sister, I think, is listening. And this is like a (laughs) dream of ours. And so hold me to that one day. I don't know if it will be in Brooklyn, New York, where I'm at, or will it be in San Francisco, where my sister's at, or somewhere. It's going to be somewhere, yeah. Yeah, wherever it starts first will be the best place. But, you know, there are other things, like um, another dream is to to have a sanctuary, to have, to buy a building here in Brooklyn, New York, and have a training facility, a meditation facility, because I teach the law of attraction and makeup together. I, I'm teaching people to love themselves more and and to really set intentions and write affirmations, a, a present tense statement, you know, starting with I am, mm-hmm. and start to, to look inward rather than looking outward. We're already in a superficial industry. Right. So if we don't, if we're not the example of inner beauty, then who are we? Mm, so right. if I want to accomplish one thing in life that I would want to be remembered by, it's my example. Nice. So, You're just so inspiring. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to quote thing. that. And I'm going to tweet that, but I'm going to sum it up, but I'll still give you credit for it. How about that? <laughs> Do what? That's what co-creating is, my love. <laughs> Make it ours. Right. She couldn't remember everything you said. That's what it was, right. but she know what it meant. <laughs> yep. That's funny. I don't even know what I said. That's okay. I got all the important stuff out of it. <laughs> Well, this has been great tonight having you on, Rocky. Um, I could just sit here and listen to you talk. Oh, thank you. (laughs) It's been been amazing. Um, Is there anything that you'd like to share um, that we haven't talked about tonight that you want people to know? Hmm. Well, there's great love here for you. I want everyone to know that, that, um, We're not alone in this world, and I know there's a lot of people, um, especially with the current affairs in the world, who um, maybe are looking at things in a way of hope, 
and uh and i I choose to look at things and find good in them, no matter what, and I can't help but remember the the week after nine eleven was the most heightened connection and peace on the planet mm-hmm. where we all came together, every color. Everyone came and supported each other together worldwide, and I never forgot that. And so I want everyone to remember that that is what free will is. We could open up to the possibilities of joining our brothers and sisters in the world, and we even through great tragedy we can find peace. And I don't want it to have to come to a time where we come together like that. My wish Mm -hmm. is that we could all just walk out of our door and say, hello, good morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, like what Danessa and I have been doing, we've been listening to this Abraham Hicks thing. Um, It's called The Rampage, and it's just talking about how today is a beautiful day. And so every morning I want you all to wake up and say, today is a beautiful day. I want you to open your eyes and say, today is a beautiful day and start your day that way and end your day that way. And so that's my wish for all of us because it starts with each of us individually. Thank you for that. Thank you. Today is a beautiful day. That's how we'll end the show tonight. Gorgeous. Today is a beautiful day. Yes, Thank you is. so much, Roxy. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and I love seeing the beautiful light that you two share. It's contagious and gorgeous, and I wish you the best. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. And we wish you the best. And, Danessa, you're next. Again, let me know when, so that way we can get the both of you on after that. I can't wait for yep. that. So we got to make it happen. Absolutely. Okay. Thank well, you, enjoy love. the rest of your evening. I will talk you soon. soon. Okay. okay. Good, night. good night. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Rocky. That was wonderful. Um, I enjoyed that tonight. Really, really did. So inspiring in so many ways. Um, I'm glad he was able to come on. I'm glad we were able to work through this technical issue. I'm listening to all of this rain coming down now, but um thankful that we were able to make it. I was saying some prayers as I was trying to work through it, so I'm <laughs> thankful that um uh, we made it, you know, God made it happen. Um, <clears throat> thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Um, glad to have you guys here with us. We um, will be back again next week, and our guest next week is Leanne Mosley. And if anybody is familiar with Leanne, you know she's a makeup artist, but she's also a wonderful, wonderful um, body paint artist, and she'll be with here with us next week. And we'll be back for another inspiring conversation. So make sure you tune in uh, next week, same time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, We thank you for um, those who will listen on the playback. I saw the lines, the lines, the phone lines were lit up, but nobody called in, but it's okay. Um, (laughs) Rocky has one of those types of voices that you just want to sit and just listen, so I get it totally. But, again, thank you guys for tuning in. I saw you all out there. I appreciate it. A big thank you to all of our followers who listen to us um, every week in uh, London and in Australia. Those of you who are in Toronto and in all parts of Africa, thank you for your continued support. We really, really appreciate it. We're sitting here trying to think what we're going to do for our 10-year anniversary um, next year, so we're planning for some amazing things for um, this show for next year. It will be 10 years next year. So um, 
look out for that. But again, thank you for your continued support. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening and have a beautiful and blessed week. Good night, everybody. Good night.